Educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm, live from Braybrook College, Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to the Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Hello and welcome everyone. Live from Braybrook College in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Cooper and my co-hosts today are Jordan, Will, Sophia, Van Boy and Emmanuel. We are also joined by our special guest, Fred Rubenstein, someone who with lived-in experience with the um, topic of gambling harm. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Cooper. Thanks for having me. Um, so my first question for you would be, what sort of was the breaking point? What made you start gambling? What was that point? The breaking point in terms of uh, starting or stopping? Starting. Starting. Yeah. I think I started when I was quite young. And at first it started with just a little pocket money when I was in let's say year nine, I was around 14, just because that's all I had access to. So five, $10, $20 multi, sneaky in the tab. And then as high school progressed and I got closer to being 18, I started you know, manipulating, persuading my mom into opening accounts for me in her name so I could get through the accounts. And then it just got progressively worse as I finished school and then after school it became, it became disastrous. So would you think a lot of these potentially harmful habit-forming things are things that you develop at a younger age? Absolutely. So you'd Absolutely. say like primary school, high school, Absolutely. that's sort of a hotspot? I was so high risk looking back. I look at low impulse control, uh, issues with discipline, you know, very moody, up and down, uh, very competitive and very obsessive. There's just so many characteristics of my personality and my mindset that just fit gambling like a glove. It's frightening. And I only know that looking back. I, you know, I couldn't know that looking forward because at that time I didn't know myself. You know, I was young. I was just having a bit of an identity crisis trying to figure out who I am and, you know, what's the point of everything. And, yeah, it was just shocking in hindsight how high risk I am and how high risk others in similar but different situations to me can be, and I'm I'm one of the lucky ones. I was saying this just before to Daniel. I, I I'm lucky because not everyone comes from you know a family of means that when you're in that situation, they can you know pay for higher level professional medical help and intervention to help you through. And I'm unbelievably lucky that I had that because not everyone has that opportunity. You know, not everyone gets that opportunity. It's just all they know, and and that's just all they do. So I'm, very, I'm one of the lucky ones in terms of the recovery journey. Yeah, it's extremely unfortunate that things like that happen. Um, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Hey, Fred. Hey, Jordan. Jordan. Uh, why was it so hard to quit your gambling habit? Why was it so hard to quit? Yeah. The, probably the, the fundamental to that answer is because I knew how hard it would be to get a job and turn my life around. And I was afraid of that. And... The other fat part of that is quitting gambling was accepting that I was a loser in that space, that I wasn't going to be a winner in that space and that I had to let go of the money I lost, which was a substantial amount of money. As I told you guys before, I had an inheritance of about $215,000 and yeah, across 2015, the first year outside of school, it was gone. So... It, was hard. it took me about six months to a year to actually let go and accept that I'd lost that and admit it to myself, you know, because I was quite deluded at the time. I wasn't thinking rationally. I was afflicted by gambler's logic, which is 
more or less that, you know, that was my bad luck and my good luck will come. And yeah, it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. So I think to answer your question, the two fundamentals of why it was so hard to quit was knowing how hard the recovery process was, but even more, I think, was admitting what I'd done, admitting that I wouldn't have success in that space and letting go of what I'd lost and the damage that I'd done to my life and those around me. That was the hardest part. Yep. Um, so my second question is like kind of similar, but why do you keep gambling despite the harm? Because when you're in, in that, and that's your life, that's your everyday life. It was my escape, you know, the more anxious I'd feel, it was a, it was a spiral. The more anxious I'd feel, the more I'd run away and go gamble. And it's very easy to gamble through screens, gamble through chips at the casino and distance yourself from the loss. It's much harder to distance yourself when you hit that rock bottom, when your self-preservation kicks in. And that rock bottom for me, and I'll, I'll expand on this a little bit later, but that was when I, yeah, I started stealing after I lost my inheritance. I started stealing from my mom and I, I knew that I could get away with it because she was soft and free-spirited like me. And after the third time, she said, enough. She said, enough. If you do this again, I will call the police and I'll press charges against you for theft. And in that moment, I knew, like my self-preservation kicked in and I felt it. I felt panic. I felt fear. And I knew that if I didn't change, something bad was going to happen. So that was my catalyst for change, was my rock bottom moment, was knowing that if I didn't change, the police would come in and knock on the door. And that was a moment, no, no, I'm done. And it wasn't the last day I gambled, but it was the first day I started to invest in the process of turning my life around. All right, so uh, Will? Um, basically, um, my name's Will. And my first question is, would you have any advice for those seeking for help? <sighs> That's a loaded question. My advice is, is to be... Before you can be honest with others, you need to be honest with yourself. So my advice is, it's very hard. Try and be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Is it, is it causing harm in your life? Can you afford you know, the damage it's doing, not just financially, emotionally, psychologically, the time that it's taking out of your life? Is it causing a problem in your life? And if it is, then you know, why? Like, what's the problem and what are you going to do about it? You know, it's... it's it's simple in theory, but extremely hard in practice because it takes a lot of time and loads and loads of support. My other message would be is that I was once there and I was once the guy who thought I didn't need help. I'm smarter than the system. You know, I'm a genius. I know the system better than other people, you know, and I, I wanted everyone to see me as a winner. You know, I had that big bravado and a hero complex. So I was once in those shoes. And it took me years and years and years, and it's still something I struggle with, but years and years and years to come out of that, come out of that and realize that I was never going to achieve what I wanted to achieve in that space. And not only took years, it took a lot, a lot, a ton of support. I'm talking professional help, which was, you know, a psychiatrist. I'm talking parental, uh, friendship, mentoring, you know, professional, like in terms of employment, all those things were a part of my journey to becoming who I am today and who I'm becoming. So it wasn't just one thing or one person, it was all those things. And there's more than one way to recover, 
But my advice is that for me at least, <laughs> you probably need the assistance of someone else and there's no shame in that. Yep. So um, if you're just tuning in, hello and welcome to the Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM, live from Braybrook College in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Cooper and my co-hosts today are Jordan, Will, Sophia, Van Boy and Emmanuel. And we are joined by our wonderful special guest, Fred Rubenstein, someone with real lived experience in the um, world of gambling harm. So um, Sophia, would you have a question? Uh, hi, um, I'm Sophia. And how did your recovery play out after? Uh, after I stopped? Yep. That's a really good question. It was really tricky because on reflection, I feel like the recovery process was like doing one thing at a time. And, you know, I was so frantic and scatterbrained. And like I said before, when I had that rock bottom moment, I said, okay, I'm going to invest in my recovery. And, you know, I tell people, I'm still the same guy I was when I gambled. I just have the different mindset towards life. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in much healthier physical and mental condition and emotional. So the recovery journey was one step at a time. So it was like the first thing was to stop gambling. And my, my therapist tried to get me actually into stocks because it's you know a healthier, more socially acceptable form of gambling. But I didn't actually go for that. I actually, what I did first was I got in the gym and I went just bananas in the gym. Um, you know, I took it to every extreme, just like I did in gambling. Um, and that wasn't sustainable, but, you know, I'm better off being in the gym going crazy than being in the casino, um, you know, going ballistic and just being completely obsessed and pushing to every extreme because I'm just a very obsessive and competitive person. So the recovery journey was a grind. It was hard. There were ups and downs and there still are and I'm, I'm, and I'm still recovering. But, yeah, it was really one thing on reflection. It was one thing at a time. You know, first stop gambling, then get a job you know, then physical and mental health and, you know, other, other factors and fixing relationships. And, and it was, yeah, it was really hard, but like, I'm, like I said, I'm unbelievably lucky to get the support that I had to have a mother that was willing to invest her time and money into me after I'd stolen from her to pay for a very high level medical professional, very high level. Like I said, not everyone comes from those means. Not everyone has that opportunity so i'm unbelievably lucky and grateful that i've had that that opportunity but not everyone gets that so yeah recovery is a grind but it's so so worth it it's so worth it because i could not be here sitting here talking to you guys right now i couldn't do it because i didn't have that information about myself that i got from therapy what i got from therapy over the years i'm realizing the fundamental process at least for me in therapy was self-awareness and the tools to self-manage. And yeah, that's a really tricky thing because self-awareness, everyone goes, oh yeah, self-awareness, that's great. And, and it's very productive and very powerful, but it can also be very painful, you know, because you don't like all the awareness. You don't like all the information you're getting. Not every piece of information about yourself you like, but you know it and you have to live with it and you have to manage it. So that's yeah, a really tricky thing but it's so so worth it because if I didn't have that information about myself I could not be here talking to you with a little bit of clarity and self-reflection around my journey and what led me to gambling and what's keeping me in good stead today yeah Yeah, so just to backtrack a little bit from the recovery um something Mm. that would have definitely motivated you to recover as a person Mm. um how would you say gambling affected those around you your friends family those closest to you that's a very good question 
it affected them a lot. It affected them a lot. In the initial phase, it's hard because you, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. And the other thing is, you know, while I was a compulsive gambler, I became a compulsive liar. And like I said earlier, I was afflicted by gambler's logic. So I wasn't, I really wasn't rational. You know, I became quite anxious and depressed, put on a lot of weight. So my thinking wasn't rational. And people had an idea that I was losing control and that it was having problems, but they didn't have the idea of the, the details because I hid it from them. I hid it from myself. I lied to myself about what I'd actually been doing and the damage, you know, the extent, because I was very egotistical and deluded at the time and, and not in a healthy, rational mindset, like I think that I am now. Um, so it took a huge toll. It took a huge toll. Like they stopped trusting you. You know, they stopped believing you because real, uh, eventually they realized what he's saying is not reality. It's, you know, it's just, it's rubbish. So you break that trust and respect. You lose people's respect. Um, so just put a huge strain. I'm lucky that I have had and still have amazing friends that were incredibly patient and supportive. And when I told them how much I'd lost and, you know, some other parts of my journey that were really hard to share, they were very supportive and yeah, very understanding. And they still are, you know, like if I have to go home from like a, a night out, you know, or, you know, uh, we have coffee at night, you know, hot chocolate at night. If I have to go home early and stuff like that, they, they, you know, they, they might crack a joke, but they understand, they accept, you know, why I'm doing that. I need to, you know, I need good sleep. Um, you know, why I won't, you know, go to the casino or something like that. So yeah, I'm lucky that I have amazing friends. Familial wise, uh, family was probably the biggest one. So at the time I was living in the family home and I was, so I was 18, 19 and I had two older siblings and they, it was causing a lot of strain on the family. Uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned by this point, I probably should have, is that when I was, you know, 13, I lost, I lost my dad and he was a mathematician and a, and a semi-professional punter. And that in itself, you know, is a trauma and that can cause some stress and strain on, on, on the family dynamics, which it did, but my gambling, you know, made it worse and worse and worse. And it made the relationships worse and worse and worse to the point my siblings moved out. They said, no, I'm just like, everything he's saying is a lie and I just don't like what he's doing here. And, and you know, it's time for us to move out. And then, you know, obviously with mom, yeah, taking, taking her money, it was not my money. And just being up all night and then sleeping all day. Like she was very worried and anxious and stressed and all I would give her is lies. And to be honest, yeah, quite, I just treated her so poorly at the time because I was like projecting my issues and my, you know, my frustration and agitation that was coming from gambling and what I was doing onto her. Um, so yeah, it was really, really hard, but it took years and years and years where I had to change from the benefit or the doubt of benefit of what I was saying to get the benefit of the doubt where they start trusting you again, essentially, because you initially have the benefit of the doubt and then it's doubt of benefit and then it becomes benefit of doubt again when they see that your words meeting your actions and you're doing socially respectable things yeah it it's you can turn it around but it definitely took a big strain yep, well, at the look, time i think it's very impressive that you managed to do that um all on your own and i think it's an ex excellent message to get out to the world mm. um van boy would you like to um, ask your question hey, um, hey van boy um how long did it take you to put gambling um, that's a good question. So I gambled, like I said earlier, I gambled, I started probably multis towards the end of 2011. So I was doing small betting in school 
when I was in high school from year nine to year 12. And the reason for that is that's all I had access to because I wasn't 18. You know, I had to, I falsified accounts in my mom's name. I was sneaking in the tabs, you know, I knew which tab I could go to, which one I couldn't. And it was small money at that time. And then when I graduated end of 2014 and became an adult, I had access to a massive inheritance. So I lost the inheritance across all of 2015. And 2016 is when I got help from a therapist, from a psychiatrist. And in that year of 2016, that was my kind of transition out of gambling. So I was still gambling, but a lot less. I was really trying. And then I quit, I quit 2017, Jan 3rd. So I was, I'd say I was hardcore gambling for a year and then, you know, still problemed gambling for a year after that. So let's say two years, two years. And then, you know, there was a window of four years build up in high school. Um, and it, from the moment that I decided enough's enough, I need to change to quitting that rock bottom that I spoke to you guys about earlier with the um, stealing. It took me six months from that point to stop gambling. So, and now I am uh, six years, six years and two months sober. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, so Emmanuel, would you like to uh, ask your question? <clears throat> yeah. Hi Fred. My hey, name is Emmanuel. Um, do you ever feel a temptation of gambling still? That's a very good question. You guys are on fire today. Um, occasionally at the, the first six months was the hardest. I've had a couple of moments that have been triggering in the last few years. One was COVID because I still absolutely love sport. And, you know, there was that footy frenzy and we were, you know, literally locked down and pretty much was my escape was just watch sport all the time. And, you know, friends are putting uh, multis in group chats and stuff like that. And usually I just, you know, ignore it or I'd be busy doing something else, but because it was lockdown, you know, so that was a trigger for me. COVID was a trigger for me. And another one was, um, it's a strange one. It was a PD day that I was doing and it was just like a maths conference and just playing all those games just really triggered me, you know, really excited me. But besides that, not really, not really, not anymore because for one, I know what would happen. And for two, I've, I moved on. Like I've moved on I'm six years now, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of time. And now I'm doing much better things with my life. At least that's my feeling, you know, like I, I have, I'm building my own coaching business. I do a little bit of special needs work. I come and talk to guys like you in schools and I absolutely love that. So the things that I'm doing now with my life, I still want to win guys. I still want to win as a soccer coach, working with special needs kids. I still love that challenge and wanting to succeed, but it's just in healthier forms of life. It's just in healthier forms of life now. And that is the key difference, I think. So um, just a follow-up question on that. Would you say that perhaps your interest in sport could have um, sped along your interest in gambling? Because as we know, mm. sport is something, especially in this country, very commonly associated with gambling as a whole. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, Melbourne Cup, footy tipping, anything mm. like that. It's it's a very gambling dominated industry, the sports one. Yeah. So would you say it had any sort of effect? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a natural progression. So it's like... I was obsessed with fantasy sport as a kid and I, and I still play fantasy sport. And that was kind of a progression. That was at the time, that was my like healthy outlet of my obsession with sport and players and stats, you know, cause I have a, my dad was a very good mathematician and I had a little bit of his brain, but you know, mathematical brain, but nowhere near to the extent that he did. And part of that was, I love strategy and I love competition and, and games. So yeah, fantasy sport. And then when I was getting closer to adulthood and that's like a socially, 
cultural norm of betting. I just, yeah, I was like, this is amazing. This is great. You know, this is so exciting. And it's not until I got a little bit older and got a bit more money in my hands and losing control to realize actually what the full extent of this is. And I told you guys before, I'm not anti-gambling. I'm anti-gambling harm. I'm anti-gambling harm. You know, some people, there might be a group of, let's say, 10 friends. And, you know, maybe eight, eight or nine of them, are, let's say, are social punters. And there might be one, they're just social gamblers. They just gamble socially, $5, $10 here or there, and they walk away, win or lose, they don't care. They get on with their lives. But there might be one who, who can't do that, who does not have the capacity to walk away, who is obsessed, who has an addiction, who has a compulsion. And that person, imagine how they would feel. Like, how would you feel if you had a group of friends and you were the one and you felt, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the loser here or you know, I'm the one who's suffering, no one else is suffering. How would you feel? You'd feel I th- like I f- that was me and I, I felt embarrassed and ashamed, so I covered up by lying. So, yeah, it's a really dangerous, slippery slope. Yep. So um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Welcome. Live from uh, Braybrook College in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Cooper. My co-hosts are Sophia, Van Boy, Will, Jordan, and Emmanuel. And I have our wonderful guest, Fred Rubenstein, someone with lived experience in the world of gambling harm. Now, I'd just like to open the floor towards this back end of the interview for anyone here who would like to ask any of their own questions. Um, hey, Fred. Well, what inspired you to become a soccer coach? That's a good one. It was interesting. I, I wanted, I had, when I was coming out of gambling, and as I was saying before, and I was kind of in that transitioning phase. I really had delusions of grandeur. And I thought, oh, I want to see how, you know, I, I, I've been playing goalkeeper since I was like year 10. I was like, oh, I want to see what level I can get to as a goalkeeper. So I uh, went with a friend from school to a local soccer club. And I realized pretty quickly when the coach said, you're not good enough. And he's one of my best friends now. Um, that I was not going to be that winner that I wanted to be as a soccer player, you know, reach that level. And then... A coaching opportunity came up and I thought, oh, I've always thought oh, I'd be a good, you know, footy coach or soccer coach. So I took it and yeah, the rest is history. It just kept snowballing and I just love it. And yeah, that's really all I can say about it. It's just, it's fantastic. So would anyone else like to ask a question? Um, going back to when you said you were in therapy, how long were you in therapy for? Well, I'm still, you know, now it's a lot less. It's like, let's say once six months, once a year, just checking. Um, because I'm pretty self-sufficient. How long was I in therapy? Well, I started in 2015 and now late 2015. So now what's 2023, March, seven and a half years. But yeah, it's over time you become more and more self-sufficient. You know, I kind of think the therapist's job is to get themselves sacked. At least a good one is to, you know, give you the school, the mirror and the skills so you can self-manage without them. And um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So I'm pretty, pretty self-sufficient. But, you know, if I have a need or a checkup, you know, once a year, it has no problems if I just go and see him, which is great. So that's all the time that we have for today, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd just like to open up a chance for you to give the audience a message, just a quick message. Mm. I like to say every time I speak that when you are in that space of problems gambling or gambling harm, you're not just gambling with money you're gambling with your life you're gambling with your livelihood you're gambling with your relationships you're gambling with your emotional and psychological health that is a massive massive gamble that goes much beyond money okay 
and the agencies and the casinos, they're not, they're not nice guys. They're not nice people or nice organizations that are just, it's all fun and games. They, they have an objective to make money. They profit from your harm. They enjoy it. They depend on it. So just be careful with the notion that you can beat them or beat the system because there's a reason that those people have jobs that they go to every single day and then they can go home and they wake up and their job is still there. There's a very good reason. And it's, and it's maths and it's, yeah, it's, it's complicated. So my advice is just be careful. And if you are struggling, reach out. Reach out to someone you trust, someone you love, someone you respect, and just be honest. That's my advice. So, well, thank you for joining us today. My name is Cooper. Uh, my co-host is Sophia Van Boy, Will Jordan, and Emmanuel. And thank you also um, to Fred for joining us today. I'd love to work with you again on another podcast. Cool. You are an amazing person thank to you. interview. Thank um, you. Your story is truly inspiring with how you've managed to recover. And I thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I, I, I was going to say thank you to you guys for, for being so engaged and having such good questions and you're just having me here. It's, it's really nice to give a little bit back. So, yeah, thank you guys. It was great. All right. That's a wrap. Have a great day, everybody. Live from Robert College, Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Back to the start and take another shot to avoid this mess. You live a new way where there ain't no stress. Wow.